Well, this is the last Sunday that my son will be in America for a while. And uh, we had him preach a few months back and uh, had several people say, well, we'd like to hear Luke every Sunday he's home. But I didn't think that would be very good if I didn't preach any while he was while he was here. No, just his mother said that she wanted to hear him every Sunday he was home. But anyway, uh, but I did want him to preach one more time before he leaves. And so Luke, come and come and share the word with us today. It's my, uh, is this on? All right. It's my privilege to be with you all uh, once again. As we were uh, praying this morning, Dad uh, was just thanking God for um, just the different people that have played a role in our lives and uh, how Sunday school teachers play a role and friends and people that you go to stay with and different things like that. And uh, you all have uh, played a a big role um, in my life, and uh, this will always be my home church. And so thank you for that. And I also wanted to thank you guys um, for your support that uh, many of you come up to me and said that you're going to be praying for me. Uh, Many of you have uh, given financially, and uh, I want to thank you for that. Uh, God has provided um, all that I need uh, to go. We raised all the money. And so that is an amazing thing that God has done. And he used people like you and your obedience. And I just want to thank you uh, for that. And uh, today, as uh, we go into God's word, I thought I'd be going a certain direction, especially with going to Senegal, Dakar, and... um, mission field. I was thinking and praying that God uh, would probably have me speak about missions or God's mission in the world or full surrender. Um, As I was praying and um, reading scripture um, in preparation for this day, I felt like God was kind of taking me a different direction. And so uh, today we're going to be in Psalm 139. And uh, if you would just stand in honor of God's word. This is Psalm uh, 139, 23 through 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And uh, now I'd like for you guys to uh, read this scripture with me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, this uh, psalm is a prayer um, of David. So as we read it this next time, if you want to, I would ask that you would read it as a prayer um, for us today. And uh, be careful because this is a powerful prayer. You're asking God to search you. You're asking God to test you. You're asking God to truly know you. And maybe most scary of all, you're asking him to lead you. So that's the challenge. If you want to, read this today as a prayer. Let's pray. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. God, we uh, sense that you are here. We sense that you are present. And so, God, we just want to say you are welcome here. And uh, God, search our hearts. Lord, point out the things in our lives that may not be pleasing to you. Lord, we pray that you would lead us, God, to the places that you would have us go. And Lord, uh, we just pray that you would make us more like your son, Jesus, Lord, on this earth. We love you, Lord. It's your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I was uh, a freshman at Mid-America at Nazarene University, we had to go to this thing called freshman orientation. And all the freshmen uh, would go about a weekend or a week earlier than everybody else uh, that went to school there. And they would show you around campus. They'd show you where your classes are. They kind of try to give you a feel and the layout of the place and what was expected of you and all these different things. And on top of that, as freshmen, you played a lot of games. You were trying to get to know other people. So when I first went there at Mid-America, it was just like a $30,000, you know, teen camp. It was awesome. And uh, I was like, this is going to be amazing, you know. Uh, we're going to go through this orientation and learn all this stuff. And campus is just going to be one big game fest. And it's going to be awesome. And then you kind of went throughout the week and you realized that it was not going to be a summer camp. It was going to be a summer camp with homework. So it was, uh, it was fun. Uh, but one of the things that they would have you do as a freshman at freshman orientation was they would have you take a personality test. And they would show you what your personality was like, what your gifts were, what your weaknesses were. And do you know how many like personality tests there are? I did not realize this till college. I Googled on um, this weekend and I was like, personality test. And they had like 25 of them. I'm like, this person has split personalities if they have to take 25 tests to figure this stuff out. But there's a ton of personality tests. And if you were a ministry major, it didn't just end at freshman orientation, but you took these stinking tests all the time. They were trying to get you to be aware of who you were. And I remember my freshman year, though, I hated it because I was like, I'm coming to college to learn about other stuff other than myself. And I take this test and I read the results and be like, you are a flexible person, but that could lead to procrastination. And I was like, well, no dip. Could have saved me an hour and 50 bucks. I could have told you that myself, you know, but we would uh, take these tests and it would tell us all those things. But the more I would uh, take these tests, the more I'd realize some things about myself. And they told me things that I didn't really realize about myself. They'd show some weaknesses I didn't fully understand. And they showed me some gifts that I didn't even see within myself. And I'd also uh, look at these tests and kind of reflect, and I realized not everybody saw the world the same way that I did. And so when I get around certain people, they kind of frustrate me, but then I realized that's just the way they seem to see the world. You know, you go on a vacation, and there are like two different types of people. There are awesome people like me, and then there's everybody else. No. There's planners, right? And then there's people who just kind of want to chill, and people who want to know the details, and those who are like, let's go with the flow. 
I'm more of a let's go with the flow type of guy. And it, sometimes I'm like, let's go with the flow. And they're like, well, what's the plan? Well, I don't know, but we'll find out on the way, you know? And they're like, no, we need details. And people that need, de- who needs details? Who are the details? There we are. I hate every, no, I'm just talking. <laughs> I'm just not that type of person, okay? And so when people are like, what are the details? I'm like, you're bogging me down. I'm a free spirit. You just gotta let me fly, okay? Like, I don't know. Anyways, so I start to realize that some people need details in their life. And so, anyways, you take these personality tests. But every single personality test would be the same. Every single one of them kind of started with the same uh, premise. They would say, please answer the question, uh, questions as honestly as you can, not answering them as you wish they were, but as you really are. And so in order to get the right results, you had to be completely honest. And so this thing is, you are a neat person and you like to clean your room. Yes, that would be completely false, okay? So that'd be manipulating the test. And so uh, we would read them out loud and you would begin to understand like who people were then they would, it's amazing what these tests actually do because you're like, that's exactly who you are. That's exactly who I am. But every once in a while, you get some guy who didn't answer the questions correctly. You have some guy in there, and he's like, I'm a planner, organizer, and take pride in my appearance. And you would think to yourself, every time you turn in homework, it's late, you hardly show up to class, and when you do, you're in your pajamas, okay? So you're not very self-aware. Like, you lied on that test big time. And uh, if we are honest with ourselves, I think that us as a society can often be like the guy in the pajama pants. That we think we're a one way, we're a certain way, but really we're just fooling ourselves. We say to ourselves as a society, we care about the children, it's about the children for the sake of the children. (laughs) But then we have worldwide, according to the World Health Organization, 40 to 50 million abortions every year. We say that we want world peace, but every time we flip on the news, we see violence. We see another shooting. We see that war is taking place in other lands. As a world, we like to say, as a society, we like to say that we are basically good, but we are deceiving ourselves. And we also like to tell ourselves to follow your heart. That's the advice, isn't it? If you go watch a movie or if you go see a TV show, there'll be a friend and they're confiding with them and they need some advice because they are in a bad spot and they say, I need help, what should I do? And the friend and the slow music comes on. Listen to your heart. What is your heart telling you? And then they know the answer. But what's so funny about this situation, right, is the whole time in this story, what was the person doing? They were following their heart this whole time, and guess where it got them into trouble, right? So it's kind of silly. Or you go into the music, and you got the, the rockettes, or the, 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 
Roxanne, listen to your heart. You know, it's like, no, don't listen to your heart. We're in a world that has been fed lies about ourselves and through the news media and social norms. And it can be hard to discern truth when we have all these things coming into our lives and we're hearing them over and over again, lie after lie. We see it on social media that you got to be like this. Your family has to be like this. If you don't look a certain way, then you're not worth it or blah, blah, blah. Whatever the lies are, we're getting fed them all the time. And I think it is easy oftentimes to say this is the world's fault, right? If I wasn't hearing these things all the time, that I wouldn't believe them, which, you know what, it probably doesn't help that we're being fed all this stuff. But I think sometimes we can blame an outward source for what is actually an inward problem. The Bible tells us when we look, at the, uh, we look at the things of this world and we blame outside forces and we'll believe that the world is so, so, so deceiving. But when we read the Bible, we find that there is something more deceiving than anything else. And I'm going to read this Bible verse and I'm going to put a blank in there and I want you guys to listen, pay attention and tell me what you think it is or tell your neighbor, Okay. The blank is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Okay, listen again. The blank is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Turn to your neighbor. What do you think is deceitful above all things? Go, talk to your neighbor. I'm like part of youth group, so this is what we do. Okay, what do you think it is? What, who said that? Did you say that, Desiree? What'd you say? The heart. Wow. Everybody get Desiree. She knows. Okay, there we go. She knows her Bible. Good job, Desiree. The heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. There's nothing more deceitful than the heart, which I just thought was so interesting. The heart is deceitful above all things. The heart is not loving beyond all things. It's not compassionate beyond all things. It is deceitful above all things. And I think our heart deceives us in multiple ways. Right, But today, I'm just going to go over a couple of them. I think the first way that our heart is deceitful is making us believe that we are independent. That we are independent. America, land of independence. Like, independency is like a big deal for us, right? We're America. Independent. That's a, that's a big deal, right? But if we look at Scripture... We look at creation, we look at who God is and how he made us, we will realize that we are not an independent people, that God has created us to be dependent on him. That we are not supposed to be a person on all by ourselves, and I can do everything that I have to do, but that God has created us, that we can't be by ourselves, that, but we have to be in relationship with him to be fully who he has created us to be. And if you look at the first temptation, Eve is tempted at the garden to eat of the tree for what purpose? That she would be like God, knowing good and evil. 
And what's wrong with knowing good and evil? Absolutely nothing. I think God wants us to know what's good and what's bad. But what was she doing? She wanted to know it on her own. She wasn't relying on God. She wanted to be what? Like God. And for the purpose of what? Being God herself. That she could be independent from God. And when we think about sin, that's exactly what we're saying is this is the relationship that God has called us to. But when we sin, we're saying, God, I don't need you. And now I'm independent. I don't have to be in that relationship. I don't have to be in relationship when this is what God has created us for. Right? And so Eve eats from the tree and the temptation here is independence. But we are a created being, right? So if we're created, that means that we are dependent as the creation. We are the creation, and so we are dependent upon the creator. And if you look at every stage of your life, you are dependent upon something or somebody. A baby cannot survive without her mother, right? I can barely survive without my mother, right? I'm 25, okay? No, and then you go on, 40. You know what? You still have to eat. You're dependent upon food. You have to have money to live. You have to have all these different things. There's nobody here that is completely independent. And yet, that's what we like to think. And I think our hearts are deceived by that. God has not created us to be dependent, but to be independent on him. And we cannot be who God's called us to be when we're here, but God has created us for relationship. And I'm not saying that we sit on the couch and eat potato chips and we're like, oh, I'm de- independent on God and I don't have to do anything. No, God's given you a brain. God's given you legs. You gotta work. You gotta do these things. But remember, Who's given you these gifts? Who's given you these talents? Who's given you this drive? It is God, and so we are independent upon him. So some of you are like, well, I knew that already, Luke. Okay, so then there's a second way that I think our hearts can deceive us, right? The heart is deceitful above all things, is what the Bible tells us. This is another way that it deceives us. Believing that... If it's not God who satisfies us, so when we sin, we're separated from God... And so now we realize we're in this place where we're like, this isn't going to work. I can't stand on my own. And instead of running to the one who has created us, we start going after all these different things in creation. And we start to try to put our trust in other things, on the other created things, instead of our creator. And some people... Put their, put their dependence upon food. Some put it on drugs. Some people put it on money. Some people put it in nicer things, like family. I gotta live to provide for my family. I just wanna please my kids. And here's the deal. It's not that, you know, food or family or fun is bad, right? But you cannot live dependent upon those things because what? God hasn't created you for that. God wants you to have those things, I believe. But when it's in right relationship with him that we fully enjoy all of those things to the fullest, fullest measure. 
And our hearts are so deceitful that I even think that the good of this world, that Satan can kind of twist this. And we can put our dependence upon the way that we live our life, the good things that we do. Even, even scripture. Listen, listen to what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the word and what? So deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hold up. You mean that I could be reading scripture, what God has called me to do? I could be in church every single Sunday and be deceived? That's what your heart can do. That's how deceitful the heart is. Even the Bible warns us about it. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Even I think our best intentions can be deceived. That we can deceive ourselves with our best intentions. So no matter what we are doing, no matter what we're trying to live for, if it's family, drugs, good reputation, comfortable living, good health, religious piety, anything that is independent from God or we're trying to be dependent upon these things, that's an idol in our life, which just shows that we are supposed to be dependent upon, dependent on something, on God, right? But what makes this such an interesting problem is that the heart has this desire for worship. We are designed for worship. God has designed us to be dependent But that same desire is being deceived by the heart. Our own heart is deceiving us and going after other things. Man, we are in a predicament, right? When our hearts is saying, you need something else, but our hearts are also saying, you need this or you need that. You need the family, you need a wife, you need kids, you need a better job, you need more money. And our hearts are going after all these things. And when we get it, we realize that that doesn't satisfy us. So we go after the next thing and we go after the next thing. And all the while Satan's laughing and God's crying out, it's me that you need. We are supposed to be dependent upon God. And so, how do we get to this place? We know deep down that we have this God-given desire for dependency on him. Yet we can so be easily deceived by the things of this world. What can we do? We must be in right relationship with God who knows our hearts, but doesn't just know our hearts, but also can transform them. And this is when we come back to the scripture of Psalm 139. And the the person who wrote this psalm is David. And I was reading some quotes on David and there was this pastor and he made a point He said, uh, William Howe said that that David was an extremely courageous person. Think about all the things that David did. He fought a bear with his bare hands, a lion. He faced Goliath and he knocked him down like a sack of potatoes. He fought many battles in war, right? But this pastor said, you know what the bravest thing that David did 
was he faced his heart in the light of God. That he came before God completely open and listen to what David says. He's before God praying. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is having a real honest conversation with God. He asked God to search his heart. And I'm guessing David knows some things that are in his heart and David knows that those aren't gonna be pleasing to God. Yet he wants God to do what? He wants him to point him out. Why? Because, God, because David wanted intimacy with God. He was here and he's saying, oh God, search me. Oh God, know me. Oh God, lead me so that we can be intimate. That I can be in right relationship with you. And this prayer incorporates many things. It, it incorporates an open heart. He tells God, search me. He doesn't want to hide anything from God. He just rips open his chest and says, see me, God, for who I am. And you know what's awesome about relationships is that you begin to know people. You know what's scary about relationships is they begin to know you, right? They begin to see the good things about you but a friend, marriage, dating, whatever it is, they also begin to see your bad character. But always it comes down to this point in any relationship, whenever you're in a relationship with anybody, if it's a friend, dating, marriage, whatever, where you begin to either let the person in or you begin to push the other person away. And most of the reason why we push people away is because we do not want them to see who we truly are. We might think, how could they love me or how could they accept me if they know the things that I have done? But it's in those moments of complete honesty where you share that what? You have that intimacy. There was a um, professor that I had and he described intimacy Pretty simply, he said, it's the invitation of one person to another saying, into me see, intimacy, into me see, that you would see not just the good, but also the bad, the things that I struggle with, and that you would see me completely. I was a friend, uh, I was with a friend uh, not long ago, and uh, he asked me if uh, he could share with me his life story and I thought I knew this friend really well and even the, the bad stuff and he said Luke I've only been I've let you know 90% of me he said there's some things I've held back he said but for healing and um, for the sake of getting over some things I need to share and he just opened up he told me some good things about his life but what he needed to do is let the things that nobody knew open. And he just shared it. 
And man, I feel closer to this guy than I ever have before. He is my best friend and I love him. And I'm thinking this is what David is doing. He's saying, oh God, search me, know me, test me, know my hearts. God, this is, this is the sin in my life. This is the struggles that I have. This is the bitterness that I have against somebody else. This is the things that I'm holding on to, the grudges, the unforgiveness. God, you know why I get so angry at people. And Lord, this, this is me. And God, there is nothing that I can do within myself to change this heart because I've gone after other things, thinking that it's going to fix this problem, trying to be dependent on any other thing besides you. And God, there is nothing in this world that can transform my heart, that can redeem our hearts besides a perfect relationship with Jesus Christ where you say, God, this is me, all of me, my sin, my shame, all of it, God, and God can take that broken heart and redeem it and make it new. But we got to come to this place where we just say, Lord, here I am. And why do we do this? Does God need to know who you are? If you read the very first verse of this chapter, it says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. God already knows you. Right? But God calls us, why? So that he can teach you who you truly are. Because even in our points where we think we might be humble and say, God, oh, I'm just a sinner, I'm just a sinner. God will say, you were, I've forgiven you, and now you are made holy. God calls us his children And that's our identity when we put our trust in him, when we ask for forgiveness of our sins and live for him. And it's not just for the sake of being known that we do this, right? It's not just so God can see us and we say, I'm a sinner. I'm always going to goof up. I'm always going to be broken heart. I'm never going to forgive. I'm never going to... No... That's the first step, I think, of admitting, God, this is what I'm dealing with. God, I'm riding the struggle bus right now in this area, right? But what's the next prayer, the final line of this prayer? And lead me in the way everlasting. God wants to do a transformation of redemption, forgiveness, and Make your hearts holy in every single one of you. Every single one of you. But we gotta come to this place in our life where we say, God, this is who I am, search me. God, know me. Know my anxious thoughts. But more than that, Lord, teach me about myself, but lead me. Wherever you want me to go, This is what God desires from us. And this is not a one-time thing. Any relationship that you've been in, if it is a strong relationship, there's been open communication for a long time. And the longer you're with somebody, the more intimate you begin um, to be 
the more you know him. And that's the beauty of this relationship with Christ. If you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, today could be the first step where you admit your sin, you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross, that he died for your sins, but he rose again, that you may have eternal life. But for some of you, I know that you've been walking in this Christian walk for a long time, and there might be just kind of a complacency. You're coming to Sundays because you have to. You're reading your Bible, check mark, and you forgot that God doesn't want you to read the word and so be deceived. He doesn't want you to become the church and so deceive yourselves. He doesn't want you to be doing good things and so deceive yourselves, but he wants you to know him personally, intimately. And today I, uh, I want to challenge you. It can be kind of scary, right? To ask somebody to know you. And I like what this guy said. He said, the eyes of the just avenger, I cannot endure to be this place in this place of sin. Afraid that God would just see him and reject him. But he then goes on. But the eyes of compassionate physician, I shall gladly admit into this place of disease. For he comes from the heavenly from heaven to earth, that he may heal such sick sin, such sin sick souls as mine. When a disciple desires to be searched by the living God, he does not thereby anticipate that there are no sins in him, right? We're not saying, God, look at me and how awesome and pure I am. But he anticipates rather that his foes are many and so lively that nothing he can subdue them except the presence and the power of God. There is nothing in this world that will transform you, that will bring forgiveness besides Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross. And there's nothing in this life that is going to give you power to overcome the world because no one has overcome the world except what? Except Jesus Christ. And so we don't live independent or dependent upon anything else because that will not give us the power but we put our dependence upon Christ we're going to pray and we don't need any music today and I want to challenge you and challenge us challenge us I need this in two ways today there's nothing in uh, that I can say or do that the word of God will not say or do better. And I don't think you guys are going to remember this sermon, and that's okay. But I, I do want to challenge you to remember this scripture, Psalm 139, 23 through 24. You might want to mark it, write it down somewhere. And maybe uh, this year, this new year, that this might be a part of your daily devotion. Maybe that this year, this might be part of a weekly reflection or a monthly reflection that sometime each month or each week or each day that you would just sit down and pray this prayer. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This is not just a challenge for this upcoming year, but I also want to challenge us today 
I believe that God, um, his word doesn't go void. And so I want us all just to stand. And we're going to have a time of prayer. And if you feel led, you can come down to the altar and pray. But also, we're all going to be praying if you want to. I'm just going to do a little guided prayer. And I'm going to say some words. And I'm going to just be quiet for a while. And I want us all to take this time seriously. And just to pray to God today. And you can pray in your seat or you can come to the altar, whatever you feel led to do. But we're just going to go through this scripture together in a time of prayer and reflection. Let's pray. First, God, we want to admit what Jeremiah so boldly proclaims, that our hearts, above all things, are deceitful. And so, Lord, right now, I believe that our hearts might even be working against us. And so, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that Satan would have no place here. And God, that maybe for the first time in a long time that you can truly see into us. God, that we would actually open up our hearts to the things deep within us, Lord. And so, God, we give you this time. First thing the psalmist prays, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Ask God to search your heart right now and to know you. He goes on to say, see if there's any offensive way in me. And I would just add, and God point that out to me. Ask God to point out any offensive way in you. you need to ask for forgiveness now would be the time to do that and what a neat prayer to pray right now at the beginning of the year David says at the very last, and lead me in the way everlasting. Pray that God would lead you today, this week and this month and this upcoming year. And just say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to be obedient to you.
God, we don't have a 10-step plan here. We don't have um, a lot of good advice. Lord, we're just asking, as David did, that you would know us. And God, that you would point out to us the things, Lord, that do not look like you. And Lord, that you would lead us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would lead this church, each individual, God, to the things that you are calling them to do. And Lord, that we wouldn't be dependent upon anything else but you, Lord. And God, that you would lead us in the way everlasting. It's in your name we pray. Amen.